exaggerated, eclectic, brash, excessive, surrealist. All of these are adjectives used in the first sentence of the Wikipedia entry for Hyperpop. This recent wave of music and culture really started to take off in 2019, after Spotify published a playlist under the same name. Ever since, it seems that Hyperpop is nowhere and everywhere at the same time. It's distinct and immediately recognizable, yet I find it difficult to come up with a better verbal description than beat boot music. To be clear, Hyperpop is way more than an algorithmically created playlist. In fact, this is only scratching the surface. In a humble attempt to define and understand this era of music, we're going to take a look at some of the key players and their contributions to the community, which was recently rocked by the loss of one of its most revered and influential members. This past month, the community lost a poster child for its genre, the producer and self-proclaimed pop star, Sophie Zion. Sophie was an artist through and through. Everything she touched became art. So much so that the way she left this world was in itself a Greek tragedy. On January 30th, 2021, Sophie on top of a three-story hotel balcony in Athens, Greece, attempting to take the perfect shot of the full moon, slipped and fell gazing at its greatness. In the wake of Sophie's passing, many have reflected on the influence and originality of her life in music. In that spirit, we proudly present our ode to Hyperpop. I'm Emily. I'm Max Schauble. I'm Juan. I'm Max. I'm Sam, and this is Arts Interrupted, the Michigan Daily's premier arts and culture podcast. Let's stick with Sophie as we try to make sense of hyperpop based on the way its artists create their sound. The Grammy-nominated pioneering producer Sophie transformed and shaped pop music into what it is today by including avant-garde soundscapes never thought to belong to the genre and redefining what it means to be a pop star. To highlight her own synthetic sound, Sophie utilized the Electron Mono Machine Synthesizer to make music that pushed the envelope in terms of what sounds she could make. In her debut compilation album, Product, songs like Hard use synthesized tones instead of samples to emulate the sound of metal ricochets, balloon pops, latex snaps, and the clatter of PVC pipes, all sonically pitched, serving as instruments. Sophie put emphasis on the blatant artificiality of her sound, capitalizing off of the digitization of contemporary club music. As a transgender woman, Sophie grasped the tool of vocal modulation to become her own realized cyborg woman of the now. Shifting her vocals at a desired pitch permitted Sophie the ability to explore gender and put out a version of herself that was truly her. Sophie's vocal modulation doesn't render fully robotic or fully human. Instead, she lies outside the binary, forcing us to question what a woman really sounds like. While Sophie began innovating and pushing the boundaries of pop music, A.G. Cook, producer and founder of the groundbreaking hyperpop record label PC Music, began looking for ways to define authenticity in the pop genre. Working together in 2014, Sophie and Cook started a quest on another project, their own iteration of the 21st century pop star, Cutie. Cutie, who was portrayed by American performance artist Hayden Francis Dunham, took on the look of a robotic, streamlined, perfect idol. As ironic as it sounds, the most authentic appearing artists in pop, Adele, Taylor Swift, and Beyonce, tend to be more constructed and plugged by business models than the more produced-sounding artists. 
Former PC music producer Daniel Harl put it best when he asserted that there's a hyper-real authenticity with most top pop artists, and the pop from these performers is often the stuff that sounds the most fake, and the stuff that has actually been constructed with the most authenticity is actually the most transparently fake. Here at Arts Interrupted, we challenge you to think. Is hyperpop the most authentic pop music? In the digital age, everyone has the opportunity to produce music. What makes the hyperpop scene so special is that it's a mixture of almost every genre. Rap, hip-hop, country, rock, metal, you name it. Hyperpop has no confines. It's whatever the artist wants it to be. This tight-knit community of artists do not rely on innate musical talent, rather on creativity. It's all about who can produce the most cinematic three-minute audio experience. But let's get into 100 Gex, another poster child of the genre. Laura Les, one half of the duo, claims their name came from an online mishap with a gecko retailer who shipped her 100 live geckos instead of just one. Dylan and Laura met as teens at a house party where Dylan played a song he was working on. Laura says that the demo was so good, she got angry and left the party. Now they create music together from across the country using email. If I send something to Dylan, there's no fucking way it's going to be worse when I get it back, Laura says. They send tracks back and forth, working on them until they don't know what to do with it anymore. And then they hand it off to the other person. For Dylan, the standard of good music does not depend on musicality or lyricism. He judges songs based on how great they would sound blasted over a huge sound system. For hyperpop, it's about the noise, the chaos, and the freedom of expression. SoundCloud has graduated from the emotional vulnerability of bedroom pop to this eclectic explosion of sounds. 100 Gex uses autotune as their main medium, as well as sound effects that reference the internet's brief but seemingly eternal lifetime. Nearly every song they write talks about living through phones. Their lyrics range from shit-talking to raw and earnest emotion. I mean, we have the whole first verse of Money Machine, which I highly recommend you take a listen to. To the lyric, I don't know how to be alone, I'm always looking at the phone waiting for your call, in the song Gek to You. Their music perfectly captures both the tension and melancholy of growing up in the digital age and comments on the effect social media has on relationships. It's not just the breakup that hurts. With social media, there is an added pain, loneliness, and anxiety from a drop in notifications. These themes are juxtaposed by the accelerated beats and high-energy auto-tune which mirrors the rush we get from scrolling through news, posts, and memes. Because of their cross-country collaboration, the group is well-versed in the internet, which made them and the hyperpop community way more adaptable to the pandemic than other artists. So much so, that early on into quarantine, the group hosted a concert on Minecraft to the delight and amusement of fans and skeptics alike. Okay, so you're intrigued. You use a phone, you're growing up in the digital age, you're ready for freedom of expression. But hyperpop can be a little overwhelming. Where do you even start with something that's so nebulous, with a genre, a sound that's so hard to categorize? Two words, Charlie XCX. I know, I know, you're sitting there like, boom clap girl, 
fancy girl, that girl, guys, I'm telling you, it's that girl. She is the bridge you've been waiting for, a gateway drug. History lesson for a second. Charlie XCX came to fame in early 2014 with the fancy collaboration. She quickly pulled a Carly Rae Jepsen and released a pop album. It was bad girl, leather jacket, I have sex energy filtered through the sugary sounds of pop. I mean, Boom Clap was on the soundtrack for The Fault in Our Stars, for God's sake. If there's anything more basic than that, let me know. And then seemingly out of nowhere, she puts out Vroom Vroom. Hyperpop, for sure, it was produced by Sophie and put out by Charlie's own new record company. After its release, A.G. Cook took over creative direction at Vroom Vroom Recordings. Charlie has since put out two mixtapes and two albums, all hyperpop, all the time. Charlie's often cited as the face of hyperpop, and for good reason. She's one of the few stars to fully transition from pop to hyperpop. Therefore, if you know Charlie from, say, The Fall in Our Stars, maybe you'll listen to Vroom Vroom. And maybe you'll like what you hear. Maybe the text tones, frenetic noise, and hyped-up vocals will capture you, energize you. And then, like Charlie, you'll move from pop to hyperpop. Of course, the line between the two is blurry, if there at all. And gearing up to release her third album, which later became her first mixtape, she said it was the most pop thing and the most electronic thing. She claimed hyperpop as pop. Pop elevated. Of course, elevation doesn't always find itself in subject material. Charlie XCX's hyperpop isn't always substantive. Sometimes it's dark truths, the stuff we usually keep just underneath the surface. And sometimes, most of the time, it's party nonsense. It's glitter tattoos, late night texts, loud music that hurts your ears, vibrates through your feet, shakes your teeth. But I don't know. Maybe that's what we're all looking for right now. Thought it couldn't be more colors, but it was ever ending like the light trapped in the beam. It never seemed, it's never right. Hold yourself tight when the wind Looking through a more societal lens, it becomes clear that Hyperpop's characteristic innovations in sound, production, subject matter, and more can be attributed to the genre's ties to the queer community. And in many ways, the inclusion and celebration of the trans community and identity in particular is often viewed as the fundamental construct that makes up this musical soundscape. For starters, hyperpop serves as a platform from which to speak on the immense diversity of trans experiences that exist across the globe. From finding authenticity and comfort in one's own skin to seeking out those same qualities in one's own society. An example of this intersection lies in the genre's use of pitch vocal effects, which are intended to enhance the experience a track gives a listener but also more accurately depict the sonic presence an artist wishes to convey, both in the ear of the listener and in that of themselves. Such is the case with Laura Less, artist and member of the hyperpop duo 100 Gex. Now, an important thing to remember when thinking about the societal ties of hyperpop is that despite its significant trans influence, the genre's overarching message and aesthetic is about much more than a singular identity. Rather, it works to unite innovators and creatives across the board in an effort to collectively dismiss traditional views on gender stereotypes, sexuality, and self-definition. Take Kim Petras, for example. As a transgender woman, she not only saw hyperpop as a way and space to speak her truth and embrace her identity, but also capitalized on its platform to advocate for transgender rights and most recently, 
speak out on the lack of Black representation in Pride Month and LGBTQ plus remembrance. Dorian Electra is another great example of this. Gender fluid and revolutionary in their own right, they've taken to this artistic outlet as a means to both explore the unbounded nature of their identity, which they've claimed can be boxed in even with the gender fluid title, and call out the ways in which much of our societal framework relies on strict gender binaries and neatly defined existential terminology, a combination which in reality hinders the process of self-discovery, growth, and love. And finally, we have Rebecca Black. Most widely known for her 2011 viral hit Friday, the remix of which you should totally check out if you haven't already, Black came out as queer in early 2020 on the podcast Dating Straight, and soon thereafter was hugely embraced by the hyperpop community, having been denied this love from the mainstream media, and subsequently released the queer anthem Girlfriend, chronicling an on-and-off relationship she just can't shake. In this way, Black has elevated beyond her 15 minutes of fame, fulfilling her life vision, both personally and professionally. Let's take a breath. Through all of these different artists, we've seen how the hyperpop community has carved out a space that is honest, fun, and full of life and love. You'd think I'm describing a Carrie Underwood album, but no. These artists see technology and the internet for what it truly is, an overwhelmingly massive network of wires and ones and zeros. By embracing the harsh, clunky, glitchy reality of the digital age and leaning into the sugary, sweet superficiality of celebrity culture, they make room for pure, excessive creativity. Like a hundred gex creative process, the hyperpop community is always engaged in a game of call and response. It's as if they say, this is the wildest, most joyful and unusual and exciting thing that I could make with my computer, my mind, and my heart. Now your turn. To try to define this movement is like trying to figure out why we're in this universe. We'll never know the answer, and it's a lot more fun to just enjoy the ride. As we all continue on with our days, let's all try to live as our most hyper-pop selves, as honest and exciting and intense and full of energy and curiosity as we can be. This was the spirit that Sophie embodied and will live on in the art and love that she left behind. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Arts Interrupted. Max here, and honestly, Hyperpop helped me get through 2020. Discovering a genre new to me during quarantine was a big deal, pure catharsis. It gave me something to seek my teeth into. I hope this brings folks a new understanding of the genre or inspires them to get to know it. This episode was brought to you by our executive producer, Emily Ull, senior editor, me, Max Rosenzweig, our content creators, Max Schabel, Sam Goldenberg, and Juan Gonzalez. Audio producers Ben Schreier, Sam DeBose, and Will Peterson. And finally, our audio engineer, Spencer Harris. Don't be shy. Give Hyperpop a little listen. Thanks for choosing us. We'll see you soon. <laughs>